Her Health Ed Podcast is a safe space for women and girls to share, learn, and empower each other. Our goal is to raise awareness about health issues that affect you, your mom, your daughter, or your best friend. Tune in each week to hear stories from real women and the latest advice from health professionals. From pain and struggle to relief and triumph, we'll pull back the curtain on health issues that affect women. Expect a lot of laughter, a few tears, mixed in with a whole lot of love. So while you're on the road, sipping your morning cup of coffee, or having an evening glass of wine, listen in, then share your comments. Today, I am talking to Savannah Kenny. She is a professional photographer, um, a talented gardener, artist, and lover of all things French. Um, And I'm just really excited to have her here on the Her Health Ed podcast today and to chat with her a little bit. Um, Savannah, tell us a little bit about um, just something that not many people know about you. I mean, obviously you're, you're an incredible artist and photographer and I, I want to hear more about that, but, but give us something that we don't know about you. Absolutely. Um, yes. Uh, what's interesting is I don't really consider myself to be an artist, even though I am a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it more of as like a medium to be, my degree is actually in history. And so I see photography as a way to more capture history and that's just the medium. Um, but I don't feel artistic at all. And everyone, <laughs> they think that's so funny <laughs> that they're like, but you are, but I'm like, not really. Um, but the biggest thing I think that people don't know about me, well, some would, but, um, I will try anything just about once. Mm -hmm. And mostly that revolves around house repairs. Mm -hmm. I grew up, my parents renovated two homes and they kind of showed us all of those skills um, just through being around them. And always, I hated it growing up when they were like, okay, it's Saturday, it's weekend. We're going to, you know, re-roof the house this weekend. Um, But going into marriage, I had this huge skill set that I didn't realize that most females don't have. Um, And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, probably the biggest thing people don't know is I renovated our master bathroom on my own uh, one weekend. What? (laughs) Philip left town. And as he was leaving, I had the sledgehammer out and, um, (laughs) Um, (laughs) so yeah, so I will literally try anything once. If I don't know what I'm doing, I'll Google it and YouTube. Um, and then if I mess it up, I'll just call somebody who does know what they're doing to fix it. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, you, you really are. Okay. I won't call you an artist, but you are a creator. I mean, really and truly, if you guys could see her garden, I, I get to see it on Instagram. It's, I will have to post a picture of her garden. It's incredible. And oh, she just, you. you just kind of taught yourself, right? You just yeah. put it together. I did. My mom was a huge gardener, um, loved being out in the yard. And I definitely picked that up from her again as a kid. I really did not like it. We had to do so much yard work, <laughs> but, um, that, coming into loving gardening has a lot to do with my health. And Mm -hmm. I actually turned to gardening when I was my sickest because I needed to be able to focus outside of myself and just get my hands immersed in something and my brain working on something. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be gardening that I turned to during that time. Wow. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we really wanted to interview you on the show because you, you have really been able to 
still do your work and, and create and enjoy life, even though you've, you've been diagnosed with some, some pretty intense conditions that have, have impacted your quality of life and something that you guys have, uh, you know, I heard that you, you had on your website, um, for your photography business was don't let the stresses of life spill into the sacredness of living. And I just love that. And I, I think that that's, that definitely seems to define you and your husband. And, um, it, it's something that, that I feel, um, is a, is a pretty important outlook to have, especially when you have a condition and we're going to go into that, but yeah, I, I love that. Did you guys just come up with that quote? Uh, yeah, that's, it was kind of a, that's one of the reasons I do love all things French. <laughs> um, we visited France a couple of years ago for the first time and fell in love with their approach to living mm-hmm. and how they do not live to work. They work so they can live. Um, and that's how we approach life is we really want to have, we run our business so that we can live. We love what we do and it's amazing. Um, but we also love life outside of work. And that is so foreign to most people these Mm -hmm. days and even to photographers um they immerse themselves in their work and they don't have a life outside of work Mm -hmm. um but we really love life we love our family we love Mm -hmm. traveling we love being in the garden in our yard and so um we've learned just to not let the circumstances control us enjoying life Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something we definitely picked up from the french and wish that more americans would pick that up um And just embrace a slower pace of life. And what people do joke around when we tell people that in our hearts, we're 65 and they look at us and they're like, yeah, y'all really are. (laughs) Um, And we've been able to create, um, through a lot of hard work, um, a lifestyle that is kind of a semi-retirement and we want to enjoy life while we have the ability and we're young and now, um, and not just wait till we're retired to fully enjoy life. And so we do work hard, but we work hard for a short amount of time so that we can play. Um, and so, yeah, I love that outlook and I'm, I'm a fellow Francophile, so Mm. I totally (laughs) agree. It's not always easy in America to, to really try to slow down and not, make everything about work. Um, and that's, that's something that, that I think is really, really important. And I love that you guys, you know, that kind of bleeds into your work. You can tell you guys really enjoy your photography and I definitely want to share their website because just to check out the sheer beauty of, of the photography they produce, um, it's the Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And we'll have that posted up on, on the site so you guys can see their work. But um, I'd like to launch into really the, the kind of the meat of why we're here, which is to talk about your struggles um, with health and, and some of your triumphs as well. Um, and so, yeah, just tell us a little bit about how you first found out you had PCOS and celiac. And I know those are different. You, you found out at different times about those two different illnesses. But um, if you would just share a little bit about that, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it has been a rather long journey for me. So I found out probably about 10 years ago that I had PCOS. Um, and then we found out a year ago, actually today, um, that I had celiac disease. I went back and looked at all of the records and it's been a full year today that we got the diagnosis for celiac. Um, and then also six months ago, I was diagnosed with the MTHFR mutation, mm. as well as it's an unofficial diagnosis 
diagnosis of endometriosis, which because mm -hmm. of it's such a weird disease, they have to do the laparoscopic surgery to give like the official diagnosis. Right. Um, but doctors were pretty much like, you have it. We're not going to do the surgery, but you have it. Sure. Um, so the PCOS was a pretty decently easy diagnosis of going in um, after an emergency room visit, um, had a cyst rupture, mm. emergency room. Uh. And for females who have had them rupture, they know like the first one is just so incredibly painful. You feel mm. like you're dying. You don't know what's going on. And then like eventually the pain abates. Um, but that happened, I think I had two cysts that did rupture. I finally went to my gynecologist and I was like, Hey, like what is going on? Why am I having serious pain? Um, and they were pretty, that was a pretty easy diagnosis. It's a blood test as well as ultrasounds. Um, and so I've dealt with that for 10 years through um, doing hormones and just managing like pain levels with diet and just like stress reduction. Um, and then celiac, that diagnosis actually took about two years to be wow. diagnosed. Um, I celiac is a really weird disease and that it affects, um, it's based off of a gluten allergy, not an allergy, um, but you're gluten intolerant. And in a way that like, there's a difference between an allergy and intolerance and celiac mm. and celiac, when you have gluten, if you have celiac disease, it destroys the lining of your intestine and stomach. And so, um, there's really no good way to put like, it's no, the most <laughs> severest way of an allergy. Um, and it manifests itself differently in every single person who has it. And so my symptoms did not manifest in um, stomach and intestinal problems, but they mm. first started with, I had peripheral neuropathy. And so that means I lost feeling in my hands and feet wow. and also in my, slowly in my face as well. Um, mm. And so my doctors are thinking this is neurological. You probably mm -hmm. have MS. This is like, let's go down that route of MRIs and CAT scans and um, <laughs> craziness. Uh -huh. And through about two years of just tons and tons of tests. And during that time, my immune system was just completely shot. Mm -hmm. um, and I just was basically tanking. My body was slowly dying because we mm -hmm. didn't know what the problem was. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started researching on my own. Um, I started developing other symptoms that were stomach related um, as well mm -hmm. as arthritis and um, my migraines intensified and things like that. So I kind of just put all of those symptoms together wow. and I was like, what could common cause of this? And yes. came up with celiac went to my doctor, basically just went to my GP and I was like, I think I have this run the test. And she's, mm -hmm. she did. And sure enough, it was positive. Wow. <laughs> so after, um, I think we pulled together all of our bills that we billed out to our insurance that year, that year and a half. And it was over $30,000 of oh, tests. Wow. And it all boiled down to a, like a $250 blood test. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So that journey was rather crazy to get there. Um, and celiac mm -hmm. also is a journey of constantly, you're never healed from it. There's no cure. Um, mm -hmm. it's just something you live with as well as, I mean, PCOS and endometriosis and MTHFR, all those things I have mm -hmm. are just things you live with and you have to, um, treat the symptoms, but you mm -hmm. really don't get to treat the actual diseases and syndromes, mm -hmm. um, which can be really frustrating when you're like, okay, I have this and it's all about management rather Rather than really overcoming it. Yeah, that's that's really hard. I I mean to have to deal with all of those different issues on a daily basis and and to change turn your world upside down. I mean celiac is something that you know your whole diet has to completely change and and there's li a life threatening component to that 
to that disease as well. So there's an added layer of just anxiety and stress around having a condition like that. And I guess, you know, my question is, are there any things you, you mentioned gardening that really mm -hmm. is a therapeutic element. Are there any things like that? Can you expound on that that help you manage the pain or the anxiety and the stress of having um, celiac PCOS endometriosis? Yeah. Um, during the time when we didn't know what was wrong, especially related to celiac, um, I suffered with a lot of depression, which is also a side effect of celiac as well as NTHFR causes a lot of increased depression and anxiety. Um, and what's really interesting is the MTHFR mutation pulls all of my things together because of mm. that gene mutation. It actually is one of the reasons why I'm so, so susceptible to all of these things, mm. which um, was actually a little bit relieving when I found that out. Um, right. But all that to say during that time suffered from a lot of depression that uh, I didn't realize it was depression until later. Um, and when you live in a state of your body is breaking down and I was 30, 30 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt just ancient. I couldn't move. There's just so much pain. And I knew I had to get outside of my brain because mm -hmm. just sitting in bed sick wasn't going to help me at all. Um, and it was just going to make me spiral downwards. So that was the time when I gardened a little bit before that. Um, and okay. then during that time, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go all in. And that is one of my husband does say one of my best personality traits and also mm -hmm. one of my worst is that mm -hmm. I am an all in person and I will only do something if I can be all in. Um, so, <laughs> That's good. Uh, That's yes. good. Uh, the downside is if I'm not into it, I'm all out. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I turned just basically turned to gardening and it was during the winter and I, um, and you can't garden in the winter, especially in the South, like everything's just dead, but I planned my new garden and I just focused on what can I do, um, to grow something while this body is dying or what I felt mm -hmm. like was dying. Um, mm -hmm. so just during that time, planned out a new garden, just learned everything I could about gardening and roses. And I specifically grow, um, English roses. Oh, wow. And, um, just poured into that. And the more I poured into that and into others and getting outside of myself, the more I felt myself coming out of depression, mm -hmm. um, being able to reduce anxiety. And even now, um, I am really intentional about my time and having time for my brain to think and to relax. And so every morning I do get up decently early, um, get coffee, let our dog out. And I go and sit in my garden for a good mm. hour, hour and a half, sometimes just in complete silence. Um, sometimes with a podcast or classical music, just to sit in nature. Um, I come alive in nature, always have every time we've traveled, it's mostly been to places where we can hike or walk or, um, just see and immerse ourselves in nature. And a lot of that comes into our work. Um, if you do look at it, we are, um, just inspired by it. So for me to be able to sit in it in this little garden haven that I've created, um, greatly reduces my stress and my anxiety. And anytime I'm feeling just really down about health things, I'll just go sit out there. Um, and I quickly find things to do in the garden, which takes my mind off of not feeling good, um, or things like that. Hmm. Well, that's a beautiful metaphor. I mean, really to think that, that you can create something and grow something where, you know, or when you're feeling like your physical self is, is, is dying or you're losing something in yourself, you know, to, to be able to go out and, 
actually create something or grow something is, I don't know, that's a really neat thing I haven't really thought about. Um, especially in my own struggles with health. Mm. It's like, that's, that's something that, that I'm going to take away from this conversation is that, you know, maybe really creating something can help. It's not a distraction, but it's, it's almost giving life back to yourself, you know, where you've lost something. And I think that's, yeah, I love the way that you, that you, you phrase that. And, and I think that's something that we really want to share on this podcast um, and really pull that thread of, what are things that we can do outside of just, you know, obviously there, there, there's a time and a place for medication and for, um, you know, surgeries and things like that, but there has to be um, other therapeutic elements to dealing and managing chronic conditions. And Absolutely. so, you know, I think I love hearing the, the tactics and, and the things that you do to really um, build, build yourself up and, and give yourself something back. Um, when, when sometimes it can just feel like you're depleted, you know, just Absolutely. because of your physical state. Um, can you, I want to circle back around to the MTHFR gene Mm -hmm. mutation. Is there a blood test? I mean, is that something you can go to your OBGYN or your doctor and say, I want to have a a test to, you know, a blood test to, to check for that mutation? Yes. Um, there are two different types of tests for it. Um, both are blood related. Um, I'm not an expert on this, but I realized this after I had it done, um, because it is a gene mutation, that means it's genetic and your family members are either your, one of your parents will have it. Um, that's the only way for you to have it. Um, so then if you have siblings, they also will have it or potentially could have it. They might not have it. Um, but they potentially could. So when I found out I had it, I did tell all of my siblings, which I have four of, um, to be tested for it (laughs) and looked up different, um, ways that they could be tested. You can actually send off to have it tested. Um, I'll like go online and do like the genetic panels. You can have your gynecologist check for it. Um, it is found in both females and males. Females are more likely to have it, um, as well as show, they're going to suffer from it because it mm-hmm. does have the gene mutation does um, affect a lot of the reproductive system. It does affect a lot of things with uh, serotonin levels and things like that for like depression, anxiety, but your biggest um, symptoms that you're going to have are going to be gynecological related, which is why more females than males actually get tested for the gene mutation. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's good information to know. Um, have, you know, going back to that, that, conversation about your di- your process of be- being diagnosed um, with celiac and, and then the endometriosis and PCOS, it can be very, you know, emotional to, as you said, spend, you know, lots and lots of money, hard-earned money <laughs> on um, tests and doctor's appointments and um, not just the money, but just the, the, the time that it takes, um, it takes away from your social life, it takes away from your work and all of those things. Can you talk a little bit about just the, how that felt and, and maybe some, you know, maybe it's negative, maybe it's positive. You had really good doctors, you had some doctors that just weren't able to, to um, diagnose you soon enough. Can you just speak to that a little bit? I mean, was that, was that hard to go through that two years of just not knowing and, and what are some ways that maybe um, you feel like it could have been improved? You could have been maybe treated better or um, yeah, just, just speak to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I think the biggest thing with the struggle of how long it was is I really wish I had um, looked at my family medical history a lot sooner. Um, celiac is genetic and my grandfather had it. We knew he had it. Oh, it, was wow. on, it was on my medical record, every single doctor I went to, um, but they didn't look at that. And that could have literally saved two years of testing if they had stopped, looked at that and said, okay, celiac is in your family. It has a lot, this, what symptom you're here with right now isn't the first one on the list, but it is further down on the list. Let's just go ahead and test for it. Mm. Um, I feel like that could have been really helpful. I also can't blame my doctors because when you, when you go in and say, Hey, I can't feel my hands and feet, they're immediately going to go straight to a neurological issue, which I'm very thankful they did because had it been neurological, I would have loved to have had that addressed as quickly as they, as they knew that that was something that imminently needed to be addressed. If that Mm. was the cause, um, during that time, my neurologist actually was one of my favorite doctors, even though he didn't really help, (laughs) but he, um, cause it wasn't the cause of my issue. Mm. But he sat down and I remember that offices, it was close to two hours um, of just going through everything I was um, dealing with at the time, my symptoms, listening, paying attention. Um, and it was one of the first times a doctor, I was at a doctor where I felt heard, seen, um, mm. and just like, taken, you know, credit or not just that they weren't going to write me off as like, Oh, there's this crazy person who's coming in with like a random, you know, symptom. Mm. Um, other doctors were not uh, (laughs) so loving. Um, I had one doctor who during this time, because my immune system was shot, I had chronic bronchitis and pneumonia. Um, so I had to visit pulmonologists and, um, ENTs and things like that. And I had lost my voice for like five months and the ENT was like, Hey, I think you've actually lost your voice because because you changed your, um, the way you're talking. And I just need you to think about cats and dogs to talk at a higher register. So you don't have to lose your voice. Like that was her <laughs> diagnosis. <laughs> what? Yes. And I'm like, you know, okay, that, that's not a medical um, answer. I <laughs> thank you so much for that. Um, and after that, that visit, I think it was about a year into everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting in the car and just weeping because I was so tired of doctors. I was tired of not having answers. Um, I didn't want to go to any more doctors because they clearly were just going to tell me to think about kittens and it would make it better. Um, and so it was just, it was hard to go to the next visit. That, that visit was also hard because it was in December, which meant that to go to another doctor would be in January, which means your deductible starts all over again. And we still didn't have answers. Um, and I think that, also was really weighty during all of this. Being self-employed, we have mm. honestly really terrible insurance sure. as a lot of people do in this country. Um, mm. Insurance is really something I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And um, because a lot of our decisions on which doctors to go to and which doctors not to go to have been based on, will they take our insurance? Um, mm. What is our deductible going to be for this? Like, are we going to have to pay $5,000 for this doctor's visit? Do I need, is this random symptom you know, do, do I need, really need to go to the doctor for that? Mm-hmm. Because I might have to pay $1,500 for this test that they run. Mm-hmm. Um, so that knowing that that's such a concern and I put off going to the doctors for a very long time because it was like, we don't know how much this is going to cost. Um, is really frustrating instead of just being like, okay, like this, you have this really weird symptom. You probably should go to the doctor for that instead of waiting six months until it's really out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been 
a frustration um, of mine. Um, it's just something we are limited with because we are self-employed. Um, we have basically one option for insurance and it's just not a good one mm-hmm. um, without paying more than our mortgage for, you know, a premium each month. Um, so that has been extremely frustrating navigating that I've, I've, I've had more symptoms that have come up even recently that we don't know if they're related to my current illnesses, if it's something new and we've had to sit down and go, okay, what warrants a doctor's visit? Um, and the fact that you have to do that in America is, and (laughs) we are like, we are middle-class family. We make a good living fact that I still have to think, okay, is this worth a doctor's visit? I don't know how much this is going to cost me. Um, Mm -hmm. is really, really frustrating instead of being like, okay, I have an illness. I have this random symptom. Let's just immediately go to the doctor and prevent something from going to, from getting worse. And I know, sorry. (laughs) No, no, you didn't ramble that. I think the not knowing part is first really, really difficult because you know, if you don't know what something's going to cost, and that's something I've, I've talked to a lot of people about a lot of women, especially, um, hopping from doctor to doctor or test to test, and then not being able to plan. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we all need to be able to put food on the table and we need to be able to have a little bit of extra income for other things as well. And when your health take center stage and in your spending, you know, $30,000 a year on medical bills. And that's, you know, it's, I always crack up because I'll go to the doctor and they'll say, well, you know, this procedure will cost um, $2,000, but it'll go towards your deductible. And I, I just die laughing <laughs> at that because I'm like, it's still money that I'm yes. spending. And, yes. and then to think about people like, you guys who are entrepreneurs or, you know, people who are business owners or small business owners to think, you know, that's coming all coming out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, um, it's not so, it's not such an easy decision and, and we want it to be because we want to be able to get the care that we need. But when there's this added layer of stress and, you know, that becomes a big financial decision because healthcare is expensive, um, and then to think you're not possibly getting the full care that you need, um, it's 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 hard. I I really I, I want that narrative to change. And yes. I think you know you also touched on something um, really important. And you said I think as you were talking about your process of you know trying to get a diagnosis for all of your symptoms and frustrations, um, you said you know I was afraid a doctor might think I was a crazy person. <laughs> yes. I hear a lot of women saying that, and I have said it about myself before, and, and it makes me a little sad because I think this is a this is a trend. It's something that women face when they're mm-hmm. going to the doctor. They're trying to get a quantifiable answer. You know, it's not like you're making stuff up. It's like you're actually trying to figure out what's going on, and and then we end up feeling like a crazy person. And I don't think that comes from nowhere. You know, I think I think there's something. There's an undercurrent of maybe we're we're being you know. And again, I am. I have so many friends and that are in the medical profession, and and they're wonderful. And and I've had so many great doctors, but it is hard to have that. Whether whether a doctor is making you feel that way or we're making ourselves feel that way, it is a reality that, you know, maybe we don't feel like we're being taken seriously or, you know, no one can solve our problem. And, um, and I, I'm just, 
I commend you for being so proactive and saying, I want this test. I want you to run that test again, you know, and that's, um, yeah, I just, I, I know that that's probably been a difficult thing to go through that journey. Yeah, it is. And I think it's hard as you do have become your own advocate um, for your own health, mm-hmm. which is just the way our health system as a country has been built. Um, we're not, our health system is about curing things rather than preventative. Mm-hmm. Um, and we so easily write off like just having a regular checkup and going in and telling your doctor like, Hey, I do have this random thing, um, that's happening. Should I be worried about that? Instead we just say, Oh yeah, everything's great. It's fine. Cause it's nothing that I think as females, we're very quick to write off, um, small pains or any pain at all. We're like, Oh, this is just part of being a female. Um, especially like gynecological pain. Mm-hmm. So many people write it off. as just like, Oh, well, I'm on my period. So then this is just like really bad cramps when mm-hmm. that, it's not. <laughs> and we just, um, it's can, can be serious things that we just so quickly are just like, ah, oh, well, it's something I'll deal with. I'll just deal with it. I'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, even in my own life, I did, I did that for so many things. And, um, with my husband, just, I, I came to a point where I finally was like, Hey, I got to tell you, like, these are the things that are going on with my body. And he just stared at me shocked of like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? Like <laughs> you need to like, it's okay to tell me if like this is shutting down and you can't feel your hands or, you know, things like, <laughs> like that where I didn't want, because I was at the time dealing with so many really random symptoms um, and so many different things. Um, any, I felt like anytime I told him something new that, and this was just my perception, it was not him at all that I was complaining or that like I'm this hypochondriac. Um, I think a lot of women feel like that. We don't want to complain. We don't want to be a nuisance. We don't want to call like bring extra attention to things. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as somebody who is introverted, um, mm-hmm. you just want to be somebody who's in the background and to be the person who's in the foreground because of health issues. And it's one thing after another, mm-hmm. um, that was added stress as well. And to know that like we spent a fortune on tests that were run for me and I kept telling my husband, I'm like, <laughs> you know, you can get sick sometime. Like you can yeah. balance this out. Like <laughs> I felt really selfish that all of that was for me, um, which is a weird thing to feel. Um, mm-hmm. And that also brought anxiety of like, I shouldn't feel this way because like, I'm not in control of my body at mm-hmm. all. And I'm not in control of these diseases and these syndromes. It's, it is what it is. But at the same time, I felt really guilty for having them and for causing our family to have to pay all of these medical bills uh, for something I had no control over. And I think mm-hmm. that's the story for a lot of females. I agree. I think it is too. And I think it's, it's also great that you, it sounds like your husband has been really supportive and, and, you know, hasn't, I mean, just, just the fact that, that he's like, why didn't you tell me this stuff sooner? You know, and that's, that goes a long way. Just that someone believing you and saying, you know, I'm validating how you feel and, and we're going to do something about it. Um, I, I think that that's, that's very important. And to your point about just that anxiety about, you know, it, am I, am I being taken seriously? Is this something I can share with other people? You said that, you know, you're an introvert mm-hmm. and I do, you know, that's kind of the last thing I want to talk to you about is, is, is it difficult with social life and, you know, family engagements and things like that? Is it difficult to, explain to people the way that you feel or the conditions that you have and how has that gone for you? Is it, do you feel like people have been really understanding and say, you know, you have dietary 
restrictions? Is it, is it hard to go to a party or, you know, a family gathering or a restaurant and say, have to say, Hey, I have celiac. And then you, you know, I know a lot of people say they have to explain it because people Mm -hmm. don't understand what it is. Yeah, it is. um, Thankfully, both of our families um, have been extremely amazing with this. Um, It helps on my side that my grandfather did have celiac. Um, He had it like 20 something years ago when there was nothing that was gluten free. Like the poor guy ate rice cakes like the rest of his life. Like it was terrible. (laughs) And it was, oh my gosh, we have come a long way with gluten free products that I praise the Lord. Um, And so my family is used to that. He has been, he passed, um, oh gosh, probably like 15 years ago. Um, I could totally Mm -hmm. have that wrong. But um, so we have my family, immediate family, and also um, aunts and grandmothers and things like that. They're used to, um, having to change diets, um, for people Mm -hmm. and they've been really accepting. Um, it is hard. My husband's family have been great about it as well. Um, it is hard when you go to parties because you're one person in a party of say 30 and you're Mm -hmm. the one person with dietary restrictions. So most of the time, like I end up bringing my own food because in all honesty, like most gluten-free products are disgusting. Like they just really are. And if <laughs> if you don't have to eat it, you don't want to eat it. Um, right. Right. Of course. And so even my husband, I'm like, you don't have to eat this one. Like eat your regular gluten. Like, please, I, please, please, please eat that. Um, <laughs> and so I, here's another thing too, is I don't want to be a I have struggled with not wanting to be an inconvenience on people, even when they offer to make something that's gluten-free. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. Like I'll bring my own (laughs) when I should accept their willingness to like go out of their way for me. Um, so there is, there's a lot of that struggle mentally going out to restaurants is really hard because Mm -hmm. you tell somebody like I have celiac, I have to be gluten-free. It is a medical condition, not a, just a, white girl wanting to be gluten-free. <laughs> um, and I really yeah. need to, like take this seriously. And I need to know like everything, every ingredient in this. And they just look at you like, what are you talking about? And most people don't even know what gluten is and that it's based on wheat, um, barley, rye, and malt. And mm-hmm. most people, I've had people that are like, oh yeah, that's sugar-free. It's gluten-free. I'm like, no, no, no. Like that has nothing to do. <laughs> um, so that's, that's been frustrating. Um, Mm-hmm. talking about it. I do, I've talked about it more recently on social media for a long time. I didn't. Um, because like you said, we are entrepreneurs, we own our own business. And, um, I did not want my clients knowing I didn't want my mm-hmm. clients thinking I couldn't perform for them. Um, because we are wedding photographers. Mm-hmm. I don't get a sick day. Like if it's a wedding <laughs> day and I don't feel good, I have to show up regardless. Um, Mm -hmm. I have shown up to weddings, photographed them and been violently throwing up every 20 minutes. Um, I've had cyst rupture at weddings, Mm -hmm. you know, just, and I can't let my clients know at all. Like this is their day. I cannot distract from it. And I still have to perform. And that, um, was really, really, really hard to do. Um, Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I do have an amazing support system in my husband in that he is my partner in business and in life. And so he knew what everything was going was going on and he could step in when needed um, to help carry the load. Uh, when I was my sickest, he basically ran our business for us and I was in bed for almost six months. But our wow. clients didn't know that. <laughs> Most of our friends and family didn't know that. We kept it pretty close to home um, mm-hmm. because we didn't want people thinking that I was, I couldn't do my job. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was extremely stressful to have to hide what you're going through. Um, it was also very isolating and lonely. Um, and so I, the, 
the more I heal and the more I feel confident with it, I am more willing to share. And just to let people know, like, you're not alone. Um, if you're going through an autoimmune disease or an undiagnosed disease, that there are people out there who are <laughs> going along life and look like <laughs> everything's fine, but inside they're just dying, mm-hmm. literally dying. Um, and I think my, one of my newer, I don't even call it a mission, but things in life, I would just want to be more open with others to let people know that everyone is struggling with something. It might be health related. It might be your mental health. It might be your physical health. It could just mm-hmm. be stress. Um, everyone is going through a unique journey in life. And most of the time we just look at the outside and think, oh, it's great. They're fine. Like they're happy on social media. It's amazing and awesome. But mm-hmm. no one's really telling the true story of what's mm-hmm. going on, that they're living in constant pain and anxiety and depression and trying to just barely make it through the day. Um, and I think that is um, a huge struggle. And I just hope that more people can not be afraid to share what they're going through so that, um, and for others to be accepting of it, to be like, okay, I know you're going to do this, but I can see you're, you're still performing. So that's awesome. Or even to give grace of like, oh, you're having a really bad day. Like here is like a way to make it easier for you. Mm. Um, so I know that was a lot of just a bunch of different no. thoughts in there, but yeah. Those are, those are great thoughts. And that that's exactly why we're here is to really, you know, have, have women like you share what it's like, but also encourage and, you know, I don't know, make, make a difference and, and change the narrative because really there are so many misconceptions surrounding health, um, from mental health to physical health and the intersection between those two things. Mm -hmm. And I think you've really hit at that is that it's not just, I don't feel well, it, it, there's residual impacts on, you know, other areas of your life and your stress and your anxiety and, and, um, I think that being open about what's going on helps other people say, hey, you know, either I have a similar thing going on or, um, yeah, I, maybe I need to be a little bit more open with my family or friends so that I can receive some of that sensitivity that I need um, in order to feel, I, I, I think of it as feeling free, you know, free in my um my ability to say, I don't feel well today. And this is why, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily have to explain it, but people now know, yeah. you know, she's having a rough day with endometriosis or in your case, you know, it's uh, any number of things that could be going on. <laughs> you know, yes. It's like, I don't feel like making, packing myself a meal and taking it to a party today. I just <laughs> know. And sometimes we don't feel like that. And sometimes we feel great. And but I think, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions around, especially women's health, because I do, you know, I've talked to some doctors about this, but it's, I do think women's health is a little more complex. There are more components and, and obviously men have many conditions and issues going on. And, and I'm not saying that that's, you know, there's a clear line between those two, but there, there are more complexities around mm-hmm. women's health and especially, you know, reproductive health and things like that, that that we do, you know, we do have to start sharing more and being a little more open because we, there's a, there's a fine line there and I, I get it. I don't want to share. I don't want my boss to think, oh, okay, Natalie can't perform as well because she has this issue and she doesn't feel good and she has migraines. And, and I, 
you know, but there is some freedom in being able to say, Hey, I do have this condition, but I can, because of it, because I know how to tolerate pain, I can handle a whole hell of a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing is I females can, their pain level, the fact that we can give birth, um, that alone, (laughs) like states like the, here is like the, the bar for pain level. Um, but just even like our periods that once a month we are in like deep, deep pain and nobody even knows, like we just walk around life and we're like, Mm -hmm. I'm really hurting right now, but nobody knows about it. Um, Mm -hmm. it does bring us strength and we can overcome so many things because of that. Um, and I think that's something that's not utilized well by men is our strength, um, in adversity because pain is adversity Mm -hmm. and to be able to overcome that on a day by day basis. And nobody knows you're going through that is a huge character thing, um, that should be taken advantage of and to give us, um, um, should be definitely a, um, a positive mm-hmm. character trait for females instead of a, Oh, well that like females have these issues, therefore they can't do X, but right. instead be like, Oh, they have that issue and they can still do this. That's an amazing thing. We can multitask. We can, you know, we don't have man, man colds. Um, so yeah. we can, <laughs> yes. sorry, men, but it's true. Y'all know yeah. it. Um, and that instead of, you know, running from it, just being more open about it and just being like, Hey, guess what I did while in serious pain? Like, mm. this is a positive thing. Um, I don't want to be in that pain, but I still did it. Um, yes. and so instead of running from it, just more embracing it and almost wearing it as a badge of honor, mm-hmm. I think. So, Yeah. Well, women are strong because of their health situations and in many instances. And I think you've really showed, you've really shown us that today. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for you and your willingness to be open and share, um, you know, the painful parts and the, and the, the, the triumphs you got, you have made you guys as a family. I mean, you and your husband have been in this together and that's really neat to see as well that we don't necessarily have to be alone and not all of us have a partner and that, you know, that's, that's another element that, that can be challenging, but being open with your family and people that you trust, I think is, is a great thing. And then this extra step of you being so brave to share, um, about celiac and PCOS and endometriosis. This is just an invaluable conversation that I think many of our listeners will um, benefit from. And I'm excited that you're, you're willing to share and, um, really be a light for, for other women that have, um, maybe are still searching for a diagnosis or have also struggled with one of these illnesses. So we appreciate you so much and I'm excited to talk to you more in the future and hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, we can, we can follow you on your journey as you continue to find answers and, um, figure out life with endometriosis and PCOS and celiac and, and the Uh MTHFR, um, genetic mutation. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a mouthful. Always. It's a mouthful, but I wanted to get it right. <laughs> it is. Um, thank you for having me and, um, and for encouraging other females to be so open about it and that we don't have to be alone, um, in it, whether you have a partner or not having a partner, having a friend, or just, you know, hearing about these things that might make you think like, Hey, maybe that thought thing I thought was normal. Is not normal? And I should have checked out. Um, I think that's so vital for women and I'm really glad that you are doing this. Well, thank you. And we are here for you, Savannah, and we're excited that, um, that you are a part of this show and we hope you have a great Saturday too. 
thank you. I'm headed out to the garden as long as this uh, doesn't get too bad. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, I'm going to go try to clean up my messy house and then relax and take some of your advice of, you know, finding, doing something that is life-giving and maybe, maybe growing something. That's a great yes. idea. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you have a great weekend, Natalie. Thanks, Savannah. Bye. Bye. We'd like to hear your thoughts regarding this episode. Leave us a message on Facebook or Instagram at HerHealthEd or visit HerHealthEd.com. The HerHealthEd podcast is for information only. We strongly encourage you to talk with your healthcare provider regarding your situation.